And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030. KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Fun show ahead today. Uh, But before I get there, uh, I want to wish Matt Neely a happy hump day. It is Wednesday, a beautiful Wednesday out there, Matt. Matt, it, go, it goes uphill or downhill, whichever you choose after this. We're, I'm, saying we're, I'm saying we're on the downhill side. I'm going to take the <laughs> glasses half full at this point, Zach. <laughs> Happy hump day. Happy hump day. Uh, I know our first guest, Pastor Jeff Loxton, our faith and culture contributor who's on the live line, will appreciate this. But I swear, Matt, um, when I first read the news, you, and you mentioned it just a second ago about the red dye in the Santa it's not Cruz. a scene out of a Cecil D- B. DeMille movie. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, COVID, you know, uh, uh, war in Europe, and now great, the 10 plagues of Egypt. That was my, <laughs> my first thought. It's not that. It's okay, Zach. <laughs> I sent that to some friends a few days ago without any context, and I said, the Santa Cruz will run red. The Ten Plagues of Egypt. Why, why is that happening? Well, it's science. It's okay. But that was my first thought is, oh, come on. We haven't had enough the last two years. Now it's the Ten Plagues of Egypt. Where the first lady's leaving. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have Supervisor Steve Christie with us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, it's been a month, and a lot happens in a month around here. Lots to talk about uh, with him. Supervisor Steve Christie is the only Republican on either the Board of Supervisors or the Tucson City Council. Not the only reason we have him on, uh, but uh, it is a, a minority view uh, of what's going on in greater Tucson. So we like to keep track with what he's seen, and we have most of the supervisors on uh, quarter to quarter. So we try to keep tabs on that. Uh, but with us to kick things off is Pastor Jeff Logston our faith and culture contributor, usually with us in studio. But today on the live line, 520-790-2040 through the bottom of the hour. Pastor Jeff, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Hey, good morning, Zach. Pastor of Hope City Church, by the way, on the 22nd Street Corridor here in the in the city of Tucson. So, Pastor Jeff, we, we started off last week talking about Lent. It was Ash Wednesday last Wednesday. We touched on it just briefly, but that kicks off this 40-day period of Lent, which is the lead-up to uh, Easter or Resurrection Sunday, depending on what part of the uh, Christian faith tradition uh, you you come from. Uh, But we didn't really land there, and we thought maybe we should today as things, uh, things get kicked off. So I wanted to ask you, what is, uh, what's been your personal experience uh, with Lent? Is it something that you followed as a young person or a person in the church? Is it a new thing that you've begun thinking about more, uh, more lately? I, I was curious, and I can share my experience too. Yeah, you know, uh, we were talking about this, and I was saying I didn't grow up in the church, so I'm not familiar with church traditions from that vantage point. Uh, and then my more recent interactions with the church had to do were connected to the Protestant movement, um, uh, Protestant apart from Catholicism. Generally, Lent is associated with uh, Catholicism, not necessarily. Um, as we'll talk about today, but the neat thing I think from from my history in the church, going back a few decades now, is that even as a Protestant church, we embraced 
the idea of Lent. And because it was unfamiliar to me, it was it was something new, and, and because it was something new, it was just strange. And when I say strange, I mean maybe more of a curiosity, like, why do we do this? But we'll talk about it more today. I think what I've learned over the last uh, few decades is that, that that posturing the 40 days leading into Easter that is celebrated as the Lent season was an opportunity for me to be able to reflect and refocus and Easter doesn't just pop up on me one day. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of getting my mind uh, aligned with, or I should say realigned with what it is that God's doing around me. So I've experienced it as a a very um, positive thing, and I'm sure our listeners have all different perspectives, but that's my, my brief experience. For sure, yeah. And we call this a faith and culture segment we do with you on a fairly consistent basis for a reason. Uh, this won't be, you know, a deep dive into a, a religious tradition, you know, in, on that on its own, as much as a conversation of what do the, what do these moments mean to us and for us right now. Uh, but it was interesting, and I think a lot of listeners know this, maybe not. Uh, my dad, uh, when I grew up, my dad was a pastor of a church. So I'm a I'm a I'm a pastor's kid, and and uh, but it was in the Protestant strain, the Protestant tradition of Christianity. So obviously Easter was uh, a huge deal uh, for many different reasons, but it wasn't until my adult life that I can at least recall where I started going to a church, not Catholic or mainline, but uh, a church that looked at the traditions of Lent and Easter a little bit differently. So this is a new thing for me, um, Pastor Jeff, so I don't come at this with any kind of expertise or preachiness or anything. This is new to me um, in, in a similar way that it sounds like it's kind of new-ish to, to you relative to your entire lifespan. But I agree with you. I think it's been really interesting to learn more about what it is, something that, you know, really I think is a more Catholic tradition than spread to, you know, the main line by that Presbyterian, Anglican, Lutheran, so on and so forth tradition. Uh, this is new for me, but I, I think it's something that I've become more attuned to um, as an adult, and uh, we're talking about it today. So before we go to break, um, there's three pieces of this, Pastor Jeff, three aspects, things that it's designed to do that people who go through this 40 days do. Uh, what are those three things that, that you found, Pastor Jeff? Yeah, I think um, when you talk about the different aspects, there are things that people tend to embrace. Fasting is certainly a part of that. Um, Matthew 6.16 talks about an assumption uh, when you fast, not if you fast, and we can dive into that more in the next segment with more time, but um, abstinence is is the removing of certain types of things, and uh, this word penance may be familiar to some, but a conscious decision about how one spends their time and money, and within that vein, people tend to embrace things like uh, prayer and fasting and giving as uh, a a component of the Lent season. And all of those things, I think, ultimately, like I had mentioned before, uh, lead to insight, self-revelation, and an opportunity to kind of uh, refresh or or renew, breathe new life into, into where we're at. And I think given the circumstances around us in the world at large and in the immediate, immediate community with the pandemic, experiencing new life is something that I know is is something people are hopeful for. Right. 
Yeah, you know, the piece of Lent that, uh, you know, I've seen certainly on social media or friends around me is a lot on the um, fasting or abstaining side. You know, so mm-hmm. maybe like I have a friend who said, I'm off social media for 40 days, which, by the way, Pastor Jeff, might not be the worst <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, you know, and, it, and it, right. it can be it can be things as, you know, seemingly surface level. Like I've seen friends say, I'm not going to eat candy for 40 days. Right. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, monastic. <laughs> you don't have to go off sure. into the woods for sure. 40 days. But but going like, I, you know, I eat too many donuts and sweets and mostly before bed. I want to stop that for 40 days. So so that's the piece that has been kind of most on my radar, whether I've um, whether I've, you know, personally been involved in that 40 day stretch or not. Uh, but the prayer and charity piece are new to me, to be honest, Pastor Jeff. I I didn't really know until we dug into this that there was really three pieces of it. The one we know, and then the other is the prayer and the charity or giving that uh, that are involved in this too. I know we'll get into this a little bit more on the other side of the break, Pastor Jeff, but anything to uh, to finish setting the table, as we say, before we go to a break? Yeah, you mentioned abstinence. I think it doesn't have to be what you're giving up. It could also be what you're starting. And there are two perspectives when it comes to this um, this period of fasting or Lent is that it also gives people an opportunity to look at things from a, from a joyful side about what Christ did for us through the resurrection, apart from maybe the, you know, the grieving side in, in embracing the suffering on the cross. So there could be two sides, depending on how one chooses to approach it. And I love that there's a creativity. It's not just about what a person's giving up. It could be also about what they're going to start to do. Right. Good stuff, Pastor Jeff. Uh, like, uh, if you just joined us, we sort of hinted at this. We were talking about what's going on in Ukraine last week with our Faith and Culture contributor, Pastor Jeff, and we kicked it off uh, by highlighting Ash Wednesday, which is the kickoff to Lent, which is the kickoff to Easter. Uh, and uh, certain leaders in the Christian faith tradition around the world were calling for a day of fasting, uh, in fact, a uh, prayer for the people of Ukraine. Uh, as we were getting started with this Lent period. So that led Pastor Jeff and I to get to where we are today, where we go, maybe we should talk about this a little bit more, something that for us both uh, is new-ish in our lifespan of being a part of a Christian faith tradition. This has not always been something we did year to year, but uh, uh, we're diving in together. Pastor Jeff, man of the cloth and shorts and a T-shirt. I'm sure you're wearing that today. Uh, When we come back... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you didn't know it. When we come back from a break, we'll dig in a little bit more, get a little bit more detailed. On the other side of that, after the bottom of the hour break, Supervisor Steve Christie, he represents District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. We'll talk with him about updates uh, from the dais, what's going on in Pima County. We're just getting started here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. We'll return in just a minute. Local news and talk all day, every day. 1030 The Voice. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We're here live with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton. We're talking a little bit about Lent, the lead up to Easter Sunday uh, in a few weeks, uh, 30 to 40 days from now. We're in a 40 period that some in the Christian tradition call Lent. We're talking about what that means and how it relates. Honestly, I think whether you are a person uh, of faith or not, uh, I think that there's relevance here. Matt, um, you have to remind me after the show, uh, I need to update that commercial uh, about Sustainable Strength System because I'm not hanging on 
to 30 pounds anymore. It's significantly <laughs> less, uh, which is good news, and it's working. So I need to update that commercial. I was listening. All right. I don't have those 30 pounds anymore. Uh, whatever Akil is doing is working, and um, I'll also use that to plug <laughs> that uh, if you are hanging on to any amount of weight that you want to get off, especially if you're a dude out there, um, give Akil a call at Sustainable Strength System or shoot him an email. Whatever he's doing is working, uh, and uh, I am living proof. So I need to remember to do that. All right, that's not why we're here. Pastor Jeff, welcome back. (laughs) Hey, Zach. Oh, man. I can't be there to high-five you on the weight loss. I know, and you can't be here to see me in person and vouch, but uh, but you, you trust me, I know. <laughs> I do. Next week, I'll affirm. See, I wish you could be here, you know, in studio and go, man, <laughs> you're looking good. And you can you can kind of you can give me some praise on the air. So. Oh man, <laughs> uh, uh, a guy by the name of Reverend Robert J. Egan. Um, who, te- who taught theology a number of decades ago at Gonzaga, uh, said that Lent is a, is a call to individual conscience. Uh, and there comes a natural desire to avoid the honesty uh, about ourselves. He said, Americans have a really hard time with this. The big temptation in this country is to feel that every passing impulse is a signal from the heavens of what should be done. For this reason, we have a hard time with the notion that sometimes we have to go against our tendencies. Of course, Pastor Jeff Loxton referring to this 40-day period of Lent, which is a period, as we talked about, of prayer and fasting and giving or charity in the Christian tradition, that this is a moment where we refuse some of our impulses for a a period of time. Um, Your thoughts, Pastor Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting statement. Um, I had the opportunity to, to be in Texas a few days ago, and some might remember the comedian Mike Jr., uh, but Mike Jr. was saying when there's like a tendency to want to push push back on something that we're experiencing in life, and maybe that causes us to get angry or it causes us to be anxious, um, rather than push back or get defensive um, in alignment with what Reverend Egan is saying is, what if instead uh, we looked inward or introspectively and said, why, what was the root of that issue? Why am I choosing to respond in the way that I am? And so, you know, we're talking about Lent, but I think it really is an opportunity if we'll yield to the, to the opportunity to be able to um, enrich our not just our personal relationship, you know, uh, with other people, but our relationship with with God. And so, I I think it's a neat um, experience that was never a part of my upbringing as a kid. But I do think, you know, uh, as we were talking about this, our our listeners maybe have pushed back on the idea of fasting at one point, but are choosing. It's it's becoming more popular and people are embracing it again, uh, maybe the season has presented itself as the right time for that. Yeah. Uh, I want to read you this other quote, and then that's enough for the quotes uh, for today. I want to ask you, what does this look look like? How do we, you know, maybe do this in our lives as we're listening over the next 30 or 40 days, Pastor Jeff Loxton? Lenten disciplines encourage people to stop the world, quote, Look back at yourself, reflect, create within you a more spiritual being, and strengthen yourself, again, through these practices of prayer, fasting, or and, and giving. And this is what a good parent does. I love this. Sometimes children may not know 
that they have the strength to do something that they need to do and the parent has to help them understand that and i think the analogy is you know god to his children in that parent uh, analogy uh and so i think you're right pastor that this is a uh, that this is a, an inward moment for outward impact, ultimately, these 40 days in the Christian tradition as we head towards Easter. So what does that look like, Pastor Jeff? Can you give us some practical uh, ideas for how to, uh, if we choose, to uh, practice prayer, fasting, and, and, and giving specifically in this 40-day window? Yeah, and no, I think there's an opportunity for our listeners, if you want to take this challenge on, maybe you're from the faith community and you're already doing it or you're not, and this is something new, but um, reach out to a friend or a significant other, a partner, uh, somebody somebody that you do life with, and um, see if that person would choose to do this together with you. I think it's enriching to be able to have that person or that community, if you're part of a church, it's certainly your faith community, to say, how are, how are we growing through this time? Um, we mentioned earlier it could be through the abstaining of something, um, or it could be the, the starting of something. Uh, you mentioned charity, giving to uh, people that you might not ordinarily give to, which doesn't have to be monetary. It could be visiting people who are ill or reaching out to somebody, um, choosing to respond in a way that maybe is different from your normal tendency. I think those are just a few ideas to spark interest or spark uh, creativity in the minds of our listeners, but I'm curious to hear what other people might come up with in this next week, given the opportunity to embrace this idea. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and Pastor Jeff, I hope our listeners got the uh, vibe from us today that this is uh, this isn't uh, preachy. This isn't. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, a pulpit prescription at, at this point as much as it is, hey, like this is something that you and I have become more attuned to over the last number of years. And, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm particularly good at it, um, but something that I'm thoughtful about and thinking about and, and that might be useful. And I certainly think, you know, whether we are as Americans right now watching what is happening in Ukraine or even dealing with some of the impacts of policies mm-hmm. related to that conflict, you know, I, sure. I think I think it's all aligning to make us more thoughtful about, you know, things that used to be easier or cheaper or, <laughs> or more available, right. you know, and for us as Americans at this point, that's a first world problem. You know, we, right. we could be living in Kiev right now where there's about 10 days of supply and then it's full on siege and what do I eat? You know, they're living a different reality than we are, you know, at, at the gas tank. Um, but I think it's an interesting moment in time that this is happening. And so it's interesting that we're digging into a little bit. Pastor Jeff, where can people find you and Hope City Church uh, offline? Yeah, you can find us at HopeCityChurchTucson.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and YouTube, uh, but that's our website address. Sounds good. And and, and, and Pastor Jeff, you, you can verify um, that Santa Cruz Rojo is not one of the 10 plagues today, correct? I can verify that. <laughs> we have Supervisor we'll Steve Christie. <laughs> we have Supervisor Steve Christie on the line. And so I had to ask you about the Santa Cruz River running red for scientific purposes, yes. but it is not right. verified by Pastor Jeff today, one of the 10 plagues of Egypt. We've had enough of plagues <laughs> the last two years. Let's move on. Pastor Jeff, appreciate you, sir. We'll see you, uh, uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, be safe, and thanks for your insights today. <laughs> thanks, Zach. Thanks, Matt. 
We'll be right back with Supervisor Steve Christie after a bottom of the hour news break. Don't go anywhere. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 1030 KVOI The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. In-depth news, conversation, and talk daily about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall in downtown Tucson, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. And they're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention that you heard about them uh, here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 15, 1-5% off your next order. Uh, we just said goodbye to Pastor Jeff Loxon, our faith and culture contributor, uh, talking about in more detail. We hinted at it last week, talking more in detail today about Lent, this 40-day period that leads into uh, Easter uh, and what it means in the Christian tradition and whether you are a person of faith or not, what value it might have uh, in your life. But uh, certainly if you are a part of the Christian faith, uh, these next 30 to 40 days uh, tend to be really important for a variety of reasons. So a good topic for our faith and culture contribution by Pastor Jeff Loxton. Now with us, completely different conversation. Uh, Supervisor Steve Christie represents District 4, Pima County Board of Supervisors. He's with us on our live line, 520-790-2040. Supervisor Christie, good to be with you as always. Thanks for being on. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be back on. And you can verify that the that the, that the the uh, Santa Cruz running red is, is not uh, one of the ten plagues of Egypt, correct? Well, as far as my... Uh biblical theology uh, uh, background, which is sorely lacking, is concerned, I would have assumed that this is 
uh, all safe, and I, I understand they're doing some kind of an experiment with, I don't know, uh, chromosomes or something to to verify what uh, what happens to the water once it's discharged into the Santa Cruz. So I guess it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it is all up. On, uh, it is all on the up and up. It is for science. It's for it's for a good cause. I was joking before you came on, Supervisor Christie, that when I first saw that news item come out, my first thought was, "Oh man, we just got through COVID, and now the ten plagues of Egypt." But of course, it's it's uh, completely lighthearted. It's it's for science, um, Supervisor Christie. A couple of things I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on some updates. Uh, Pima County has. Uh, drastically revised its COVID uh, precautions or its COVID procedures. Um, there's a, a lighter hand on masking in Pima County buildings. Uh, the CDC now recommends, due to uh, a more minimal spread of COVID, uh, that masking indoors is not needed unless you're vulnerable around other vulnerable people. The Board of Supervisors is going to meet again in person for the first time in a very long time on March 15th. Uh, are you happy with where this is going? Is there anything else Pima County should be doing uh, to follow the CDC's rollback on this? Or are you happy with the general direction? Well, I'm happy with the general direction, but it's hard to be happy when you look back on uh, a series of protocols and mandates and uh, enforcements that were uh, in injected into the community and uh, what it wreaked as far as havoc on on certain uh, very significant segments of our population the business community what they had to go through with all the covid restrictions and uh, the school community with all of the children masking mandates uh, with the general um, divisiveness that uh, the whole protocols and uh, board of supervisors and department of health uh, mandates inflicted upon our community it's it's hard to be happy when you look back on all of that. Uh, the only thing I can say is not necessarily that I'm happy, but uh, simply it's about time. Uh, a lot of these protocols, if not all of them, should have been lifted uh, many months ago, uh, particularly the mask mandate. Um, for instance, the Pima County buildings had a mask mandate that uh, went on after the countywide mask mandate was uh, let, uh, let go and, and uh, lifted. So I, I asked during a Board of Supervisors meeting, if I go into a privately owned uh, building such as Costco or Albertsons or Lowe's or anything of that nature, is the air uh, cleaner in those buildings and less, and, uh, less free, or I should say more free of the uh, virus in, in those settings than if I walked into a county building, which still required me to wear a mask long after the countywide mandate was lifted so there was a lot of incongruities and um, uh, I would say um, misinformation that was put out there and, and in some effort for whatever reason to continue a, a mask mandate that uh, finally is being lifted in all buildings and in all venues uh, throughout the county and again I, I don't feel good about what uh, damage this has done to our community but I do feel good that it's finally gone. Supervisor Christie, you had, the board had uh, Sheriff Nanos by, I think, at the last meeting to report on a, a, a 2021, the last year or so, that has brought a, a lot of in-prison deaths. 
uh, if I'm saying that correctly, a lot of deaths of, of inmates while in prison. And you had asked him if he could make a direct line between some of the vaccine mandates that correction officers had to abide by as a small piece of law enforcement um, and the fact that there may not have been enough correction officers to manage uh, the population in the jail. Sheriff Nanos kind of didn't answer, but didn't agree, didn't go out of his way to agree with you on that. My sense was that the other supervisors weren't going there either. In your mind, do you think that there's a correlation? Is there data to back up fewer people on site means that there's less rounds and there's less connection with the inmates in the jail? Are you concerned about that still, or did Sheriff Nanos uh, address your concern? Well, this is not my uh, compilation of any kind of data. This comes from the sheriff himself. He, uh, Sheriff Nanos, admitted that there is a staffing shortage, and that when there is a staffing shortage, it uh, it, it it causes breaks in the in the routine and the system and the surveillance and the custody of of the inmate population when you have less people uh, watching over them. And he made the uh, the case about if, if there were more. Uh, corrections officers there on duty, they would have uh, shortened the span between uh, uh, when the corrections officers actually look in on the inmates to, for a, a welfare check. So th- this is all from uh, the sheriff, and, and he admitted that the staffing shortage most definitely has some correlation with the ability of the corrections officers to surveil the inmate population, and if there were more corrections officers, perhaps some of these deaths could have been avoided because there would have been more opportunity to uh, check on the on the inmates. So he didn't want to go into that area. So I asked him again the question that I've asked several times before. Uh, I started it by saying, "Don't you, do you still agree that it was a, uh, a proper board policy to uh, mandate um, that corrections officers have the vaccination if, as a as a reason for employment, and if they don't, a cause for termination. And would it have been better, uh, with in light of these deaths of the inmate popul of several of the inmate population, would it be better to have um, corrections officers that are trained, professional, experienced, on site, working to protect the inmate population? Or uh, is it better, who may or may not be vaccinated, or is it better to have less corrections officers there at all? And uh, he didn't want to, as you pointed out, he didn't want to go there, and neither did my colleagues on the board. But to me, that's the essential element of, of what the problem is in the uh, Pima County jail system, is we, we have a severe and, and dreadful staffing shortage and when you have less staff to, to watch over the inmates, to protect them, and to keep them safe, as well as the public safe, you're going to have problems. and You're going to have uh, uh, cracks in the, in the system. And we saw those cracks that ended up in, in perhaps preventable deaths of inmates. Uh, and I asked, I asked the sheriff, I said, have you conveyed your, your concerns about the staffing shortage and the, and the vaccine mandates to the families who have lost? Uh, relatives in the in the jail system, and he said no. He he hadn't talked to any of them. So I I, I I didn't really expect him to come out and say, yeah, we should never have mandated vaccinations. But 
uh, he did evade my questions, and it certainly wasn't something that the board wanted to discuss any further than, than the questions that I asked. Supervisor Christie, this item has really been in the news lately around, you know, some of the, the, the deaths in Pima County jails over the last 12 months and change. Uh, what's your analysis, Supervisor Christie? Is it is it fully a staffing thing? Is it a procedures thing? Why why are we seeing this uptick, and what do we do about it? Well, I, I would have to believe that the foremost and most significant factor is the staffing issue. There are not enough qualified and trained corrections officers to monitor and uh, keep in check the prison population. It's a it's a huge population, and when you you know divide the ratios between corrections officers and inmates, it's it's a very significant factor that. We are drastically short of corrections officers. Plus, when you, you put a, a workplace um, mandate in, it, it creates a, a very uh, negative workplace environment, and uh, it, it appears that there's these, these pressures on people to do things that they have a constitutional right not to have to do, particularly if they're long-term, dedicated uh, uh, employees, um, who have been trained and have the experience that's necessary. The corrections officers have probably the most difficult job in the entire law enforcement community in Pima County and probably throughout the country. And it's essential that they have the abilities and the tools to be able to to conduct their job in, in the professional manner that they do without having all this pressure of mandates that really caused many of them, and we'll never really know how many, to leave. And my question is, had we not imposed those mandates, would we have enough corrections officers now in place that could have prevented these deaths? We're with Supervisor Steve Christie, Republican representing District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. We're going to go to our first break of this conversation, last break of the hour. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about Pima County and asylum uh, seekers, that connection, but also... Uh, the board's recent decision to make Pima County uh, the the um, uh, or to have Pima County adopt e-poll books and voting centers. I want to get Supervisor Steve Christie's thoughts on that before we're done. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point on 10:30 The Voice. Your source for trusted local news and talk. 10:30 The Voice. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. 
Tucson. Your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster. Animal well-being issues during the noon hour on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona live here. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice. We have one more segment here of this drag time hour with Supervisor Steve Christie, Republican representing District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. I want to talk about uh, e-poll books and voting centers, a decision that was made within the last couple of weeks. Uh, Supervisor Christie, we know that uh, on our southern border, uh, we're seeing an uptick in asylum seekers uh, and folks who are uh, detained by Department of Homeland Security and so on and so forth. Some of that challenge makes its way certainly up to Pima County in terms of how Pima County administers um, you know, dollars or resources uh, for asylum seekers. Can you give us an update on what Pima County is uh, a part of in that way and dollars being spent and where it's going? Yeah, um, of course, I've been following this issue for some time now because it's very troubling as far as the community is concerned and, and tax dollars is concerned. Uh, there seems to be what I would call a mission creep uh, in this area. It started off with Casa Salias um, Welcoming Center and the old juvenile detention facility uh, over on Ajo that was refurbished at taxpayers' expense to provide uh, shelter, medical attention, uh, food, clothing, and all sorts of uh, of, of living uh, essentials uh, to asylum seekers uh, uh, as they pass through 
the, the community, and we were told they were only here for a couple of days, and uh, this was one way of processing them to their final destination, wherever that may be, and of course that's a whole different subject. Uh, but all of this was done, uh, the, the whole situation of, of allowing this facility to become uh, the, the focal point was done at taxpayers' expense. Then, of course, we had the COVID issue, and, and uh, initially the asylum seekers were not required to do any kind of uh, uh, mandates or um, uh, requirements to take the, the COVID vaccination while other employees in Pima County, uh, many employees were, were pressed to take that the vaccination or face termination, yet we had folks coming from who knows where with who knows what coming into the asylum seeker facility uh, not being required to have the vaccinations. Then uh, when I asked why, why are they not made to have these vaccinations as they come in, we were told, well, they're only there for a couple of days and they're not going to be any impact on the community. Well, as things progressed, it was realized that many of the asylum seekers were coming in uh, being infected with COVID. And then that, that gave, gave way to another form of the mission creep where they had to be quarantined and segregated from the general asylum seeker community while they're uh, going through the uh, um, uh, process of, of ridding themselves of the vaccination. So the the uh, county started uh, renting the Red Roof Inn uh, to facilitate uh, uh, COVID-infected asylum seekers and to segregate them. Of course, that required medic- medical attention, food, shelter, clothing. And then it was asylum-seeking families that uh, needed to ha- have that shelter at, at the Red Roof Inn. And, and then in an equivalent uh, hotel, motel, situation through the city of tucson so we have two facilities that house uh infected covid asylum seekers and after that it went into those who are experiencing homelessness uh and maybe of the migrant population um and then it was the refugees uh may need that same kind of facility shelter as they come into pima county and then uh, after that, it was all of those who had contact with uh, the Department of Homeland Security. So what started off as a, as a welcoming center for asylum seekers now had five or six distinct populations. We had uh, COVID infected. We had asylum seekers. We have refugees. We have homeless. Now we have uh, asylum seeker families. And now all of those who have had any contact with DHS. Uh, and they're referred to these facilities. So at the end of the day, this mission that was initially uh, a very uh, minor part of what has now grown into a very large and and varied uh, uh, mission covering five or six different populations, you know, my question is, how do you define these populations, and why do they qualify for tax dollars, and why are they in our community and, and how much is this costing? And the money is just coming in like a flood and going out like a flood um, to the point where right now it appears that we, we are upwards of $6 million in tax, taxpayers' money between transportation uh, for the asylum seekers by the city of Tucson bus system to transport them around the, the community on their various asylum seeker appointments 
and then, of course, all of the costs related to security, to food, to shelter, to medicine, all of this at taxpayer expense. And it, it just seems like there's nobody's questioning it. Nobody knows where it's going, what it's going for, and who's receiving it. And I have to say, it appears the Catholic Community Services is is uh, just raking in the dough through this whole thing. And it's very troubling that this is happening right under our nose here in Pima County, and the money is just coming in and going out, and no one seems to care. Supervisor Christie, I, I wanted to uh, close with another quick update question, and if we have to continue this uh, in our next conversation, that's totally fine. We got about three or four minutes here, but uh, the the board, Pima County Board of Supervisors, voted to implement e-poll books and voting centers. Uh, Pima County was the last county in Arizona to adopt e-poll books. Every other county had, uh, and eleven other counties had ahead of Pima County. Uh, adopted voting centers. Uh, you and Supervisor Sharon Bronson uh, were concerned about the implementation and execution of that. Give me the short version of some of your concerns uh, with e-poll books and uh, and voting centers. I'm curious to, to get your thoughts. Well, the, there's a litany of, of, uh, of reasons why this is so troubling. Uh, first and foremost, this is transforming wholesale a, a whole new way of voting in Pima County, and it, and we've got roughly five months, or now less than five months, to have it up and running, secure, installed, uh, transformed, manned, uh, secured, all of the fa- facets that need to be put in there. We have roughly four and a half months before the the uh, first ballots drop in uh, Pima County. Uh, we were told that there's a, a, a very small window of opportunity to install this system because they, the elections and recorder's office felt that they can't wait till 2024 because it has a presidential election. And, and that election is much too important to try to install a brand new way of voting. Yet the 2022 election has governor, United States senators, United States House of Representatives, a whole slew of primary candidates, school boards. Uh, this 2022 election, I think, is as complex, if not more complex, than the 2024 election will be. And we have uh, supply chain issues, staffing problems. Uh, we don't have a, an elections. Uh, we just uh, hired an elections director. She's in the process of trying to uh, move to Tucson and, and, and find the, uh, her pathway in the community and in the elections process, all before four and a half months is, is up when the uh, next election cycle really begins in earnest. Um, we have uh, issues of, of e- with e-books, internet connectivity. There's, there's no secure way of, of, of managing uh, uh, it, internet connectivity in this process uh, on a first time uh, going into a, a whole new system. Uh, and on top of that, our new, our new recorder uh, has just been in office for a little over a year. And now she, as a trial by fire, has to implement this very complex, very detailed, very highly jeopardized and vulnerable system uh, for our next election. So uh, there, there are many factors, and there is no plan B in place uh, that if something goes haywire in any one of dozens of steps in implementing this new system, uh, that it also includes if, if you've lost your ballot, mm-hmm. you can go into any voting center and they'll print, print you one right on the spot. 
I think this, instead of enhancing confidence in the system, is definitely causing uh, issues that uh, will do anything but enhance confidence. It'll have the opposite effect. Supervisor Christie, to be continued. Thanks as always, and uh, we'll talk soon, Supervisor. Oh, and I don't think I told you that I I, I love... (laughs) Love being supervised.